<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only, excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it's another edition of Film Study. Kemi Cusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing good. Uh, disappointed. Final day of baseball season. 
But hey, it took the World Series to seven games, so you got to be excited about that. It's as good as it gets in sports, right? Except for the Nationals are there. Well, yeah, and we don't need to talk about that. They're losing. We'll, we'll, right, we'll see, we'll see how that turns out. But either way, we are closer to uh, Ravens. Patriots, it's been a long uh it's been a long bye week. Thankfully we went out on a big win, which has made the bye week uh much better. Yeah, and nothing like going into the bye week with a win you you don't mind watching several times. It's uh, after the opener, it's probably the game I'll watch most during a single football season. So uh it's great to have a big win uh in Seattle. Well let's hope that uh yeah, we'll talk later on a, we'll talk on the next episode. We'll look forward to the Patriots game, and let's hope that's one that you're going to want to watch multiple times. Um, but we're going to continue what we did on the last episode where we broke down the roster, and this time we're going to focus on the offense. So joining us once again, Brian McFarlane, Ravens Salary Cap on Twitter. Brian, how are you doing? Good, gentlemen. How are we, how's everybody tonight? All good. Life's good. Brian, th- thrilled to have you here again. And uh, great conversation last night. I encourage people to go back. If you didn't listen to that podcast, uh, I think it was a really good one and, uh, and, and worth listening to. Uh, Brian, tonight we're going we're gonna to go down the different road here, talk about the offense instead of the defense. And you know, a lot of the success story, obviously, and this is very different from Ravens teams of the past, comes in terms of the offense. And even more than just the general success of the offense, which they're one of the best offensive teams in the league, of course, is how well they've been doing relative to cap. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we as we discussed a little bit yesterday, the having that rookie deal, the quarterback on the rookie deal makes a difference. But I mean, there's there's so few veterans on this offense. I mean, you've got what well, you've got Yonda and now Willie Sneed's uh, up for next year as well, but. I mean, you're really, everybody else is, and I'm probably forgetting somebody, but it's only one or two maybe, everybody else is on their rookie deal. So um, it's definitely, and they've always spent less on the offense, but this this time it's, it's spending less um, with uh, a little more promise, I guess we'll say, than we've, we've probably seen in the, in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, promise and ability right now, both of those. A young producer category is the one we usually will start with. Those are people on their rookie deal who are already making a significant impact on the team. And the list is just loaded. It's Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, Orlando Brown, Gus Edwards, who had a big year last year, still doing some things this year. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Ricard, Matt Skura, and Ronnie Stanley. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, that's, that's, that's obviously your, your, you know, the base of your offense, the, the key contributors. Um, you didn't even really mention Boykin yet, who I think we all hope will turn into be that kind of guy. Um, obviously Lamar, Lamar may need to get him the ball a little more maybe to get to that level, but um, certainly um, that's a great group. Um, you know, there, there aren't a lot of uh, high salaries there. I mean, obviously, there are very few high salaries there, very few high salaries on the offense, period. So, uh, yeah, it's a great group. Um, just, and obviously, it, you know, rises and falls with Lamar, but you've got, um, you know, you've got, just got some young guys there that you, you really, for the first time, I think, see some promise in our offense and promise with the young guys. We used to have, you know, your Derek Masons and your, you know, your, your wide receivers, Bolden's, you know, that we always would have, but um, now you've got this, this young group finally, and uh, it, it's great to see. Yeah, it, it sure is. They have had young tight ends at times in the past, 
but uh, this is a this is a good young group of of uh, receivers that definitely has promise. There's some guys in the developmental group we'll get to in a moment. Mark Andrews, last year a lot of people don't realize he set the record for any Ravens player in terms of yards per target with 11.04 as a rookie. He started out even better than that in 2019 uh, before he's dropped off with uh, some games. I think it must be partially related to injury. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's been, I'm trying to think who would have, who would have topped that actually, but I guess it's kind of speaks to ineptness of our offense over the last few years, unfortunately. Yeah, the only the only one higher in terms of yards per target in Ravens history was, or the only one that's that's really close is Torrey Smith. Uh, right, they, well, Todd Heap was over ten one year uh, as well. Uh, so there've been there've been a couple of guys that, that have been over ten, but the uh, the eleven point oh four is the only one of its kind. Right. Yeah. Marquise Brown, obviously, great game against against the Dolphins. Uh, he has made an impact when he's been on the field by the way he stretches defenses and not just vertically. Uh, he stretches them horizontally as well and makes room for other receivers, which I think is very key to getting him back against New England. Yes, absolutely. I mean, as good, as good as New England's defense has played so far, and, you know, they haven't played a lot of great offenses. Not saying we're a great offense. Or statistically, we're a great offense. I'm not sure we're a great offense yet, but – um, we're certainly more dynamic than a lot of the, the offenses they, they've played. And, um, but yes, having that, uh, you know, Lamar's last couple games, you know, his quarterback numbers, his throwing numbers haven't been as great. And I think, you know, uh, having Brown back should make a big difference in that. Uh, fingers crossed, of course. Yeah, that is. They, they've got to really, I think in this game, make use of their speed in space because the Patriots team, fantastic scheme. They're a great bunch of ball hawks. They are not a great bunch of athletes, in my opinion. They're, they're, they're a moderate athletic team, but they have a couple cornerbacks who look like athletes and Chase Vinovich. And after that, you don't have a lot in terms of guys who are fast moving. There's a lot of uh, rotational pieces in that group. The Ravens certainly have played with a lot of those in the past as well. But, uh, you know, these are a lot of 30-year-old guys that they've assembled uh, that just aren't a special athletic group right now. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's Belichick's M.O. I mean, he doesn't go out. He let, I mean, like the Ravens, still let guys go. And, I mean, if they get to 30, they're, they're gone, you know. And he, he that doesn't play favorites. And uh, there's no sentiment, uh, sentiment to his, uh, his uh, roster building. But, um, but he does seem to find those guys that really make a difference for them. Um, and, you know, he pulls guys out of nowhere that really do seem to um, fit his scheme and make things work. And uh, he builds a scheme around guys he has too. I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's, he doesn't necessarily have a scheme per se. He, he's like, okay, this is what I have this year. This is what I, gotta, I have to work with. And this is what I do. And Tally does it. And it does it obviously. I mean, his results are, uh, are clear. Yeah. Year after year, he's able to do that. You know, a lot of defensive coordinators say you build the scheme to fit the players. I, I think that's a, that's kind of a hollow ringing thing. There's actually more you do to decide what kind of team you are because there's a lot of replaceable parts in the NFL level that could be taken on at the at, at very close to the replacement level or where there's a big pool of talent above the replacement level, like running back and people who can play the dime back in a, in a, in a, uh, you know, as a safety in, in that role. Uh, I, there are, you, there are things you can do with your scheme 
that get you out of some costly things where you're depending on certain players to do certain things. So, uh, but Belichick certainly has done it as well as anybody else has in terms of, of uh, you know, building with limited resources on defense for many of these years. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think one of the things I like about the, about the producers the Ravens have is they've got three offensive linemen in the group. That's one thing. Another thing I, I could wait to say, but I'm just going to say it right now. Not one of these guys, not one of them will be an unrestricted free agent after 2019. And only three of them will be UFAs after 2020. So this group will be here for some time together. Yeah, when we were you know, we were talking yesterday about the the free agents or the UFAs, and there was they have seventeen, well sixteen now that Snead has uh, resigned, but uh, only now two of them. Snead was one of them. Snead was the third, but there are only two that are offensive players, uh, and that's where you know you just love to see the building with youth, um, you, you know, supplementing with your guys like Ingram and you know. Uh, things like that. Now, Ronnie Stanley's a guy that I think they will address this coming off season. Uh, the year before the fifth year option is is really the right time to do it. His cap number, especially, um, he's going to be expensive one way or another, but his cap number uh, next year on the, the fifth year option uh, is like 13 million. Um, they can reduce that number. Um, and they can keep it high with this cap space they have, but they can reduce that number by you know, three or four or five million and still make that nice flat contract we were talking about yesterday and then lock him up long term. So while he's not a free agent, he certainly, I think, is a priority for them. He may be of the of all the re-signings may be the priority because you really want to get that guy locked up because um, he, he seems so far, it seems like he's had a superb season. Yeah, Stanley's having a fantastic year and certainly is a guy I think they want to keep long term. You know, the question I had for you, Brian, is Patrick Ricard, and he's been through a lot in the last 12 months as a guy who's, who's you know, had some issues showing up in some old Twitter stuff that we don't need to get, get into. But, but obviously, they're by that. Um, but he's had such a big, big contribution to this offense. Is he the guy the Ravens might lock up long term before his fourth year? Or is he a guy that you wait until the end of year four, allow him to become a, a UFA and then sign him then? You know, given what DaCosta has said about getting guys done early, and, and there were some rumors, now, you know, now that you mention it, I totally forgotten about it, but now that you mention it, there were some rumors last spring slash summer sometime that they were looking to, to try and uh, re-up him. So he seems like that versatile piece, obviously, you know, it's great when you got a guy that can play both ways. Um, so, uh, you know, I would think they would – especially with more cap space next year, they would revisit that. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I find, I, I don't know how to value him to be honest with you, given, you know, given his versatility, you don't see that much. Um, he may be the only, is the only two way player in the NFL right now. Well, um, there have been other guys that have been, but Sam Hubbard played defensive end and some fullback with the Bengals. I mean, there's guys who play a limited amount. Of right. I, there isn't anyone who's playing as much on. No, Yes, I don't know how to value that, but um, I, I certainly think they'll revisit that. He is a he's a restricted free agent next year, so the price is going to go up just on his his salary. So that's also a good time to and that's in in the you know in their history when they used to do guys early, that was kind of their trigger. So the fifth year option uh, and the you know the restricted free agent, um, Scurro fits into that as well as a restricted free agent. So 
those are guys that they may also look to redo. I mean, DaCosta has said he doesn't want to see guys going out the door like they have in the past. So I think that's I think that's his aim. And when you got that cap space, I think that's you're going to see. I mean, I think they intend, and obviously, as I always say, it takes two to tango. But I think they intend to see that happen. Right, Ricard. Because of the way Roman has been so so good with tight ends, it seems like he's a natural fit to keep the Jackson offense rolling and is a kind of an important piece. I, I would, if I'm trying to value him, as as I would see it, he's he's beneath Boyle because Boyle has value as a receiver as well. I think Ricard's value on the defensive line is largely replaceable, so I wouldn't put a lot of value on his ability to play there. But it's it's, it's what he brings to the offense that, that really has value, and and uh, it's it's very special and it's very you know a great combination with Jackson. It would not surprise me if we see other guys built into this role that are mobile 290 to 305 pound guys who are able to play fullback, you know, maybe have some decent hands and can catch the ball a little bit, but, but mostly just can square up and block a player like uh, nobody's business and are comfortable doing it from motion. Yeah. And I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, and obviously, you know, quote unquote fullback, um, we, you don't, there aren't many of those left. So it's another valuation issue. Um, But, and, you know, I mean, they've always, in their history, they always were replacing fullbacks. They would have a fullback for three or four years. And, you know, they had Mahaley and uh, Reichard, uh, the, the first one. And um, so, that, yeah. they, you know, they had, it seemed like they would go through two or three years and then move on to the next guy. Um, so that may be something they do here, but that was always kind of a cost savings thing back then. And I'm not sure that that's as, as much of an issue now. Um, but it's price. It's all about price point. Yeah, they let Juice go, so he was an interesting one because they right. spent a fourth round pick on a on a fullback, and they got the they got the full four years out of him, and it was good time. Um, you know, Muhaley was an interesting one because he didn't emerge as a big offensive juggernaut until about the last nine games of that first deal, right. and then and then he had twenty receptions. I think he had two career receptions going into that Tennessee game when he had his first touchdown. That was the longest catch by a fullback in team history for the longest time until until Uzcheck broke it. Uh, but that thirty yard touchdown, you know, triggered twenty catches the rest of the year, and and he was a he was a big part of the offense. And then he went to Atlanta and was uh, made the Pro Bowl there. So uh, definitely a, a weird thing. I, I'm I, I'd be I'd be in favor of trying to trying to lock up Ricard, and I think the team just has to come to an understanding of what the value is between the two of them. I'm hoping that. You know, there's some value between maybe it's two and a half million per year. Maybe it's maybe it's three million per year. That is a reasonable number that Ricard is good with um, and, uh, and and works for both teams, both sides. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that it's that, you know, you got to find the value. And, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's, as we've seen before, it only takes one team to just blow the value away. Mm-hmm. And these agents, they know, you know, I mean, they we can talk about pampering and all that, but we those guys know they've already, I mean, any, any, any agent that has a, you know, a, a guy coming up uh, who's going to be a free agent in, in March, they already know what the market's going to look like. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, that we even talk about tampering because it's just such a, it's so prevalent. And, and the idea that they can't tamper is just such a waste. Yes. Yes. Now looking long-term at this group, is there anything the Ravens need to do to prepare for Lamar Jackson to be making 
more of a league average kind of a, a salary at quarterback? Well, it, it seems the, the kind of the history now, I mean, after next year, after that third year seems to be the year that the golfs and the Wences have gotten their contract. Um, he, he can't be, he can't be done before then. So, but that seems to be, if the guy is the guy, you know, if he is the franchise quarterback, whatever that exactly means, but um, that seems to be the time, um, you know, those guys were first round picks. So um, they were, they had the fifth year option. Um, Lamar being the end of the first round, we have that too, which is nice. So, uh, and that was a key when they drafted, you know, getting him at 33 would, would not have been a great deal. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they didn't give up any more to get him at 32, but even if they had to give up a little more to get him just that one spot higher, getting that extra year makes a huge difference because it's honestly, it's leverage for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can keep you for this number next year. Let's roll that into a contract and let's get this thing done. So, I mean, I think that's, um, you know, the other, the other two guys were, were hot much, they were top 10 guys. So their fifth year option was much larger, but, um, you know, so this is something that obviously will obviously how his health goes and obviously these kind of things, but that's going to be the key. I think after, after next year, if he's doing what he's doing now and improving to the extent he's, you know, to the extent he's already improved from last year to this, if he makes that jump again next year. I mean, he's going to be able to demand a new contract, whether he, whether he's entitled to it or not. They could hold on to it and make it play all the way through the fifth-year option. But you don't do that with quarterbacks. You do that with other positions, but with quarterbacks, he's the guy you got to keep happy. He can't have a holdout. You know, you need him in OTAs. He's got to be there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he certainly. I've been tremendously impressed with what he's done to work on himself during the offseason. His improvement from year one to year two is as good as I've ever seen. Uh, he's just, he looks like a completely different quarterback in camp, just the way the ball comes out of his hand, everything about him. So, uh, you know, I hope we never have the work ethic issues with Lamar that I'm kind of seeing in some other first-round talents. I mean, I, Marcus Peters, you know, we talked about him in the last show, so I don't want to go over this in too much de- detail, but not only was the price right on Marcus Peters relative to Ramsey, I don't, I, I don't know if I can even put a proper – tag on what I don't trust about Jalen Ramsey demanding a first contract, a, a new contract in Jacksonville as it was. Yeah. I, well, you know, it, it the, the superstars are all wired are wired differently. Um, it seems like Lamar's wired the right way. Um, unfortunately, some of them seem to be wired, not the right way. And when, and it, especially when they're wide receivers and cornerbacks, I don't know why those two positions seem to have the, the biggest egos, I mean, quarterbacks too, of course, but uh, quarterbacks, because they're quarterbacks, they can get away with it, I guess. Um, Baker Mayfield, as, as today's kind of proved, but, um, you know, I, it's some of the wide receivers and corners that, um, that, that just seem to have the bigger, the biggest attitudes and, um, you know, so, but yes, I think Peters was, as we discussed yesterday is great. It was a great move. And I, Lamar just, I mean, every time he, you know, every time he says something, it, it always seems to be the right thing. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be, I'm about the team, I'm about getting better. Um, and all his teammates and coaches, they talk about how much he wants to continue to get better. And, and that's, 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 that, 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 
could very well make him incredibly special. Now, we had that very cool juxtaposition today of Lamar's interview. And obviously, things are going well for the Ravens right now. They're 5-2. Yeah. and two, The Browns are 2-5. and five, And Mayfield is acting like a 2-5 and five childish quarterback right now right. in terms of how he's responding. You and I have both been at the around the podium as questions are being asked. And one of the things you just have to do is you have to outcalm the reporter and their stupid questions. And if you yeah. listen to these questions, boy, I mean, a bunch of them never make it anywhere. You, I guess they do air the interviews, but they're inane. The football questions are bad, but the, the questions otherwise about talk about such and such a leadership or just looking for a soundbite, they're just, they're just awful questions. And right. so I, I, you have to put up with a certain amount of that and you have to know how to respond to it. And, you know, people are comparing Deshaun Watson's response with which I thought was also a little kind of a high handed in terms of explaining it in a very detailed way about the coverage that the other team was right. playing. Uh, but, but on the other hand, you know, it's a lot worse in the other direction. Yeah. Baker to act the way he did. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm as Ravens fans, I'm sure I speak for a lot of us when I say we're happy to see it happen. You know, having him implode in this way can only mean probably good things down the road. Yeah, I mean, coming out of last year, I was thinking he's going to be all kinds of trouble for years and years to come. And he, he may very, may, may you know, may still be, but um, so far these, you know, seven games for them are, you know, are I'm pretty happy with, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, and the fact that they have all that talent and can't seem to put it together and, I mean, the wide receivers he has, he's throwing to, he should not have any issues, any issues. Yeah, I would think he'd be by that by now. Well, let's move on. I'm sorry, we spent a lot of time on that. I do want to talk about the developmental group. And these are guys on their first contract still who have a chance to move up to that young producer category. But for one reason or another, they, they aren't there yet. And we usually talk about each one of these individually because they have some, usually an interesting story behind each. The seven I have in the category are Miles Boykin, Bradley Bozeman, Justice Hill, Hayden Hurst, Trace McSorley, Patrick McCarry, and Ben Powers. And we got some varying levels of talent and future expectation on these guys. But, uh, you know, each of these guys, unlike the defense where I think you, it's, it's harder to put a high probability on a lot of them moving up, these guys have some significant chances to move up still. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, probably all of them. I mean, I think when you look at that list, I mean, I guess Hurst is never going to be a, with Andrews around, is never going to be a starter, quote unquote, but he, he's going to be a co-starter perhaps, you know, obviously with all the, as much as he, you know, the Ravens use two tight ends, McSorley probably will never be. But when you look at the rest of them, I mean, obviously uh, Boykin is essentially a starter. Bozeman is a starter. Justice Hill may, I guess he may never be a starter, but you want him to be a major contributor given his speed. Mm -hmm. And Macari and Powers, I mean, they could be your guards of the future. Um, so, or, or at least one of them could be very, very quality depth over the year. So I, I think there's, you know, I think all of them are um, key contributors, ideally over the, whether it's even as the, you know, as the, as the backup guard. And, you know, as we've seen, we always seem to need a backup guard down the road. So um, you know, and, and a Boykin, I mean, you just hope that he develops, looks like he did in the spring. And I think he and Lamar probably need to, you know, find themselves together a little more because, um, you know, it seemed like McSorley and Boykin during, during, uh, during the exhibition season or preseason had, had a really nice rapport, but it seems like Lamar hasn't made that yet. But, 
And, you know, he obviously looks at Andrew, and that's one of his part of his development. Stop looking at Andrews so much. Stop looking at, well, not, I guess, look at Brown as much because Brown has been hurt. But um, he's got to find Boykin because it seems like when he finds him, he's, he's got, you know, great hands, great size. And that size, if, if he's not, I mean, he's pretty fast to start with, but that size just gives him that separation he needs. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a good chance to get the rebound, quote unquote. You know, when he uses body to to make a catch. Uh, Boykin's caught seven of eight targets for 115 yards in a TD over the last four games. Now, right. seven of eight is terrific, and his overall throwing the, the the passer rating throwing to him is high this year because he hasn't been intercepted. No, no interceptions throwing to him, uh, but the scale is not what they'd hope. It's a, it's over the course of 115 offensive snaps. He had those 115 yards. Right. which is not going to do it for a receiver. You know, and as a rookie with a quarterback, that's, you know, I don't know the right way to put it, but, you know, just starting to hit his stride as a passer, perhaps, um, you know, it's, I, I think I've got, personally, I got high, I have very high hopes for him. So um, we'll, we'll hope that, you know, the last couple of weeks will continue as the season goes on. Right. It's uh, he, he, we, we, you can't get to every touchdown he's had so far, but both of his touchdowns have been kind of a special play we've talked about on the show before, so I won't, I won't get into those again. Uh, Bozeman has done a lot for the power run game in terms of the percentage of pulls he's hitting on, but his weakness is in pass blocking. And unfortunately, it's showing up in a way that is very difficult for the Ravens to hide. So he's, he leads the team in pressures, quarterback hits, and sacks, the trifecta, uh, all those categories. A lot of that is coming from this lack of lateral quickness to negotiate stunts. And other teams have figured that out. He's pretty good at handing off the stunt to Stanley, maybe too good at it, and but he's not good then at getting back across and picking up the guy he needs to pick up. So they need to find that medium. It may be a case where Stanley has to help him out more in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously that interplay. And, um, it, you know, Stanley has, he's kind of had a revolving door of guards next to him, I guess. Um, so, um, you know, I mean, when he had, uh, you know, when he had KO next to him, uh, you know, or actually KO was not next to him. But yeah. um, I guess I was, when years ago, when Yonda moved over because he, because he was one handed. And, and well, obviously you're playing next to the Hall of Famer and Yonda, um, you know, they, they, that just, they created such a solid uh, tandem there, but otherwise it's been pretty much, you know, here and there. So, um, you know, and obviously it's, it's, you know, it's blocking scheme as well. How much, I, and those are, those are things I, you know, I'm, you're, you're way better than, you know, than I am at those things of, of you know, detecting, you know, what the slide is supposed to be and who's supposed to help here and there and, and you know, who misses assignments. So, um, but I think that, well, I mean, I, unfortunately, I think both guard spots because does Yonda have, I mean, he could retire after this year. They will, I mean, they won a Super Bowl. Yonda's retiring. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty safe to say he's, you know, they did extend him for a year, but they also said it was a year to year thing. So, um, you know, at some point they may need to address both of those spots, whether, you know, uh, whether Macari or, or, or powers, I mean, he drafted powers to be a starter at some point. So, uh, you know, one of, one, it, hopefully one of those guys at least can step into one side or the other. And, um, you know, and then maybe Bozeman develops a little more. I mean, he's, he's the second year, right? Or is he third year now? Bozeman's second year. Second year, right. So, I mean, it's still not, it's, it's not too late yet, so to speak. But um, those are issues for the future. But for now, I mean, 
you, you feel comfortable that you've got these three guys that, you know, ideally you can make at least one of them, you know, turns into a solid starter. And I hate to say it, but one out of three guys when, when, you know, you've got an undrafted free agent and a, a late round pick and a middle round pick is, you know, you, if you get one of those, you're doing pretty good actually. It's pretty much exactly what I was going to say is I, the, the reasonable hope is that they get one of the three. I think Makari is probably a versatility based career backup. We'll see how long that career is. I honestly don't think too much of the guy in terms of his ability. The coaches love him. Obviously from practice, they've got him active over powers when Bozeman can fill a lot, I think of that versatility role as needed. So my point is that if Scurry got hurt, Bozeman would just move to center and powers would go into guard. If powers was the guy who was active. Right. But, but so there wouldn't be any need to change that. So I've not seen the additional value. The the notion that Makari could go back and play tackle at the NFL level, I think, is a little bit um, spurious. He had a lot of problems during the preseason with players with longer reach, even on the inside, uh, shedding him. And that will be a bigger problem at tackle with where his short arms could be a could be a real issue. So I, we, we, I have other people I've heard, you know, other people give varying opinions on. You know, you don't really need arms that are that long at tackle. I just don't agree. Right. That's, that's really what it comes down to. I, I, I'll take as long as you can get. Stanley, obviously, are very lucky to have a 35 and change inch guy at left tackle. And uh, and got a similar situation with Brown on the right side. Uh, and those guys are, are playing very well. I, I, I would hate to, to risk it with a guy who's in there at 33 inch arms in terms of, of, of what he can do. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, you know, I think you've got, you've got promise there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess for half a game, if you need him, but he's not going to be and, and that's not going to be great either. But uh, at least he can get by with it. But beyond that, I assume, you know, Hurst becomes the, you know, the real tackle. And I know that's not a real tackle and Hurst are probably misnomers. But um, but I think he's probably the, you know, the starter at that point, if something happens to one of the, one of the two starting outside guys. Well, you, I mean, I, I, I assume he'd be the first guy in too, that, 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 uh, James would be, I mean, he's been active every week, you know, Macari is a multi-position guy, but he, Hurst and Macari both got a little bit of playing time against Miami and, you know, each went in at a. I guess they replaced both guards in that game, didn't they? Yes. Yes. So, so uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying we'll never see Hurst again at guard, but I think he's still on the roster and they didn't cut him this year largely because of his ability to play tackle. If it, if it wasn't for that, honestly, I don't know why they keep him around. He, right. didn't look, he didn't look good at guard last year. Uh, you know, I think coming up, we'll get back to Hurst a little bit later in the, in the story here. We would want to talk about some of these other – other players here first sure um the other guy in this group that i that i really want to see get more action is justice hill uh, they've really not used him very much and he has three catches on seven targets this year but he hasn't had any targets in the last three weeks i almost wonder if some of that is to beat the patriots advanced scouting because there's typically a rolling four-week advanced scouting they do Right. Maybe this is something where they get him to forget about Justice Hill and Justice Hill all of a sudden is a centerpiece of the offense with lots of short passes, maybe some sort of wheel route he runs at, a, at an important time to to get down the field. But uh, it just seems like he's the kind of athlete we want in space to try and beat some of the uh, modestly less athletic right. defenders. 
Right. No, I would agree with that. I, I was, I'm not a huge draft Nick and all that, but there was something about that guy coming in and, and when they got him, I was just, I, I thought I was super happy because I just thought that was a nice fit. They needed that little scat back that, that, that little burst of speed. I mean, they need, they've needed speed overall uh, in the offense for years now. And obviously, you, you know, you could get Brown and obviously Jackson takes over a quarterback. Um, I, I think there's a lot to build on there. I'm not sure why it hasn't happened other than they are playing a little bit of possum, so to speak. Um, so hopefully that's the case. And whether it's this weekend or in coming weekends, we just see a little more, um, you know, we just get a little more action from him. Um, you know, I mean, I guess it's hard because, you know, Ingram's running well and, and Gus, when he comes in are running well. So I guess it's, you know, you got a rotation and I, it could be, it could be about, you know, blitz pickup and things like that on third down. And I know that's been a thing with Harbaugh. If you can't pick up, pick up the blitz, then you aren't playing. No block, uh, no rock. Yeah. So, you know, and that's one of the reasons a guy like Ingram is perfect because he can do it all. Um, and I think Gus does a reasonably good job as well. Um, so maybe that's part of it. Uh, you know, I'll leave that to the people that, that like you that pay more attention to the film and things like that. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe they see in practice they're not comfortable. But um, I, I think as we uh, going forward, I'd certainly like to see them a little more. Yeah, I, I would too. I, I want to talk briefly while we're here about Hayden Hurst because obviously he's been the subject of a lot of trade rumors lately. It's it's really not surprising that they're considering it because they're not getting value from him in terms of even having him on the field an optimal amount. Another team is going to get more value from Hayden Hurst at this point. He has not been bad. He's caught 14 of 18 balls this year, 78%. That's good for a tight end. 10.1 yards per catch. That's no problem. The issue is that Andrews is the, is the tight end who comes in on obvious passing situations and they don't always play two. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but when they're in 11 personnel, it's Andrews and Ingram or Andrews and Hill potentially, but it's not Andrews and Hurst and, and, and in the back, they don't, they just don't play very many, 12 personnel sets, uh, you know, on, on passing downs. Right. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, and when there a lot of the two tight end packages, of course, have Boyle in there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be Andrews and Boyle. Um, I guess they do less. I mean, that you've got your blocking tight end and your receiving tight end as opposed to two receiving tight ends in. So, yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to see this off season if, you know, if the right offer comes along. Um they're not cutting him because he's got a mostly guaranteed contract for the first for the first four years. So, um, you know, I, and obviously he provides value if Andrews gets hurt or something like that. And, and, you know, even as a first round pick these days, he's not terribly expensive. So, um, but if they can get value for him in return, then, you know, I think that's something they have to look at. I mean, they've got Boyle under contract for two, well, this year and then two more years. Um, or actually three more years. So, cause this is the first year of his four year deal. So, you know, uh, they've got that position pretty locked down and if they can get value, then it certainly makes sense. Or if they can package him as part of something to get value, uh, maybe that's, that uh, might not be a one-on-one trade. Um, but I think that's something that's, that's worth looking into. Sure. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next group here that we've got veterans playing for market value. Now I did one thing here. I added in all of the Wolfpack which really tells you just how Spartan 
the Ravens have been in terms of total offensive players uh, that, that have even that are are even on the roster right now, including the injured group and including uh, uh, Ricard, for example, they've only got 25 guys who've played offense or are on the on the uh, IR this year, including Randon Cresselius, right. who hasn't you know obviously played at all. But the, the nine guys playing for for market value: Nick Boyle, Morgan Cox, Robert Griffin, Mark Ingram, Sam Cook, Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed, Justin Tucker, Marshall Yonda. Yeah, I mean it's it's a nice list. Um, there's not anybody. I mean, Seth Roberts is the only. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he's the only free agent on that list. Actually, Cox might be a free agent. No, he's not. He's not. Okay. So he's the only free agent on that list. Um, he and Chris Moore are the only two free agents uh, on on offense, basically. So, um, so that's where um, you've got. Did you mention Chris Moore anywhere? No, he's he's coming up. Okay, oh, he's always at the bottom. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, the, we we may kind of touched on Yonda. Will he retire uh, or not? Uh, Snead just got his new deal. Uh, I, every year people want to cut Sam Cook, and, and I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I just, and at least I guess this time, this year, we don't have to worry about cap casualties and needing cap space and things like that. But I, I've never understood that. Um, the guy is money <laughs> and the way he drops the ball. I mean, his inside the 20 is, and on an offense, the offenses we've had would always seem to be really good from, our own, you know, 20 to their 40, that his ability to drop a punt in is just incredible, you know, um, and punters can last forever, to be honest with you. So, um, so that's just one of those, uh, I guess that's just one of those fandom things that you're always the, nobody, you know, people discount the punters. So, but I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a great list of absolute value guys. None of them are, you know, Mark Ingram is, a, is actually a great price for all that. That was a great three-year deal for him. So far. Yeah. Well, He's a running back, so it might not work out. But but so far, it looks like it's right on schedule, kind of like the McGahee deal in a lot of ways. That was, you know, there was some money involved. McGahee was more expensive, and there was draft capital that went as well. But he certainly, by the end, he earned his money that he, that he got from the Ravens, no doubt about it. Yeah, and Ingram just seems to fit well, just not just in his style, but just in his personality and things. So, um yeah, I mean, there's and obviously Tucker's all world, so um, you you know, and they've just re they just resigned him, so that's great. So you know, he's I mean, uh, Tucker could be here for the next 15 years. Um, I mean, until 2023, I believe, on the current contract. Is that, is that right, right? Right. So you know, and I mean, you know, I mean, obviously the, the wheels come off the car, can come off the cart pretty quickly with kickers sometimes, as as we've seen around the league. But he does not seem like it, that he's that guy. Okay, so let's go back and talk about a couple of players because you got you got your comments in on a lot of these guys. Um, Cook, let's talk about him first because it's not just his value as a punter; it's his value as a holder. Great, you know you've got the best kicker in the game, and and you, would you want to mess that up by trying a new holder? I mean, right there you could lose a lot of Tucker's value by not having a guy as good as Cook doing the holding. Yeah, and that that's important. I. I watching we might have been red zone last week or the week before and they were talking about Robbie Gould who has been a great kicker over his career mm-hmm. and he struggled in San Francisco and then they mentioned he's on his third holder already 
season. And well, you know, then you're, you can see why it can happen. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Wolf Pack, all three of them, uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, Cox seems to have a, a bit of an errand, uh, you know, snap, but then there's Cook to pull it down and put it in place and Tucker to knock it through. So uh, those guys, I wouldn't look to get rid of any of those guys. And, um, you know, I think, I think this is, I think 20 will be Cook's last year. And it will be Cox's. So I have some decisions. You know, we've got time to worry about that and see how it plays out. But uh, and that seems like a, a group that's going to be together for even a few more years. As long as the Tuckers, as long as they're able, I think they're going to be here. Right. Right. I would agree on that. So Marshall Yonda was the other key guy. And I wanted to make sure that we, we talk about this because my understanding from interviews done, around the time of this current extension, which goes through 2020, was that Marshall was going to reevaluate at the end of 2019 and decide if the, this is the end. And I expect that if he plays well, which he is, and he's done so without injury so far, that he probably would play another year. But if he, if, you know, obviously the next severe injury for Marshall Yonda, I do expect to be the end of his career. I don't expect him to try and rehab through again probably unless there was some reason to do it like ray did to come back to, to for a playoff run i just i just don't see it yeah i think you're right about that i the one thing that um is he 35 now i'm gonna guess i'll, I'll look it up uh, yeah i think he's I, he's 35 or 30 maybe even 36 I, um he's i mean he's, he's he's got 12 years in the league so he's certainly up there 13 and he's still playing at a high level. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think the, I do think there's a bit of a rejuvenation factor there. He has seemed to take to this offense, you know, offensive linemen like blocking for, you know, they like run blocking, <laughs> you know, they like going and pounding on the other guy as opposed to, you know, having to take two steps back and get and pounded on. So, um, and taking the brunt of it. So I, I there just seems to be that whole, um, that whole fourth down call in Seattle and just mm -hmm. is jumping in. And there's, there was something else earlier in the season where he was just all fired up about something that Lamar had done or, or just, it was, or some decision. And it was just, you could see, it was different. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like a younger Marshall Yonda just really into it. So, uh, you know, how that plays in, as you said, injuries, obviously age and injury is going to be the big factor. Um, if they build towards, if they look like at the end of this year, they're building towards something, uh, you know, I, I would not, I would be surprised if he retired at that point. Um, and, you know, there's $7 million coming his way if he sticks around next year. So uh, that's something, but, I, but what I was projecting is that it might even be likely they extend him for one year again and kind of have the, there's, a, there's something that, that I've, I've heard from guys who play on casino credit. And it's basically that's the money they lend me is a gift. It's not a loan because I'm going to die with that debt and I'm not going to pay it. Right. And and so if they can if they pay up at the beginning of a trip from their last trip and then they play and they lose some money and they, and they, they just they're always constantly playing that game, then they eventually they get a free gift from the casino. And it's kind of kind of the way I look at Marshall Yanda is he's probably going to end up with a free gift, quote unquote. He certainly has earned it of a year's uh you know prorated bonus if we want to talk about it that way right. uh th that he'll he'll get at the end of his career but uh you know i like the idea of kind of extending him one year at a time one year out 
and that's something that's often done for for other sports too, but baseball managers sometimes and others to to kind of get their contract extended. Yeah, and I could see them. I mean, he seems like the type of guy that they they would do that for. I mean, he's been a career Raven, and you know, borderline Hall of Famer or whatever, however you want to, you know, whether it's a Hall of Famer or borderline, he's certainly in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and those are kind of guys, you know, with the exception of Suggs, you know, perhaps that they don't generally. Um, let go of, you know, I guess Reed left, but otherwise, you know, they've held, they've held on to those guys. I'm, I just lost you for a second there, Brian. Let's make sure we're okay. Okay. My but, uh, yeah, you're still there. Thank, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I do think Yonda is a, is a guy they'd like to keep if they possibly could. And I honestly don't think Yonda will move to another team. The, the one year, the continual one year out method, should keep that from ever happening if they if they continue with that and it should be something i would think that marshall gets to pick his own retirement time obviously with that 35 years 45 days old currently i know you mentioned that early so uh uh hell of a career i don't think he's really all that borderline as a hall of famer i think he's going to benefit from the fact that he's played during the pff era and the fact that his pro bowls and all pros are a little bit less than some of the other offensive linemen is largely a function of the fact that weekly offensive line scoring has more rapidly changed sports writers' opinion of who the best guards and offensive linemen are in the league, such that, you know, in the, in the 70s, those guys, you know, were 65 years old doing most of the sports writing with a cigar in their mouth. They kept the, the, the same guy as the best guard in the league for 12 straight years. We know right. today that shouldn't happen. Right, right. But, uh, but you know, they, they didn't have a better way to judge it at the time, so that's the way they did it. But anyway, I think he'll be fine in terms of, uh, in, in terms of the Hall of Fame. I want to move on to the next category, if we're good, is the veteran cap value concern. This had three players in it before last year. Michael Crabtree and Joe Flacco are both gone. They were there at the end of the 2018 season as players who, frankly, were earning more money than they were uh, earning on the field. And the third guy in the group is still there. It's James Hurst and, uh, you know, got a big new contract. Uh, they obviously were paying for versatility. I guess they thought they also would keep him at left guard. Uh, potentially. He started last year at right tackle, uh, was was solid there in his play at right tackle, really for the first time in his career, and uh, did get a lot of value from having Marshall Yonda play next to him, I thought. But then he got hurt, was replaced by Orlando Brown, came back at left guard, and was awful. And some of that was probably injury-related. I certainly hope for his case it was. I think it's possible he'll get another chance somewhere else in the league as a swingman, given how how uh, undeep uh, offensive line play is. But I wonder how much time he has left with the Ravens. Yeah, he's he, he's an interesting because that contract kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't. It's not a terrible contract. It was a nice flat deal. The you know the signing bonus was you know was only five million, so it wasn't the end of the world. Um, they've gotten the two years out of it, you know, when you have a four-year deal, generally based on the numbers, you want to get at least two years out of it. Um, so, it, you know, the dead money next year, if he's gone, is is just $2.5 million. Um, so that's, you know, it's not a terrible deal. Um, he's only making $4 million next year, which in the grand scheme of things is not a huge amount, but by the end, obviously, it's depend on how some of these other guys develop and what you know what they decide as far as you know what they're going to aim for in the draft but um but by the same token if he's not playing at all 
then four million is pretty expensive. <laughs> you know, it, so I think that's I think that's kind of uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's certainly one of those guys. I mean, we talked about Jefferson yesterday, but between mm-hmm. those two, I think those are the two. Uh, at the top of the list, Carr probably after that, depending upon what happens with Peters. But I think the, I think Hurst is that next guy in line after Carr, after um, after um, um, geez, Jefferson. I totally lost his name. And, and I just want to make the point again that, that that decision is I know you agree with this is independent of how much cap room the Ravens have. The, right. the fact that they have sixty million in cap room doesn't mean you can go ahead and spend seven million or four million foolishly. So you, you you go ahead and, and spend your gain, and I guess it's it's two point seven five million is the incremental cost, or is it really is it really four million is the incremental cost? It's four well, million. Four, four million. Four million is the cash. Um, the two point seven five is yeah. is is the is the savings. So uh, and it's it's you know it's it's two point because he's got he has two more years. So he has two thousand twenty and twenty one. So that's why. Um, the dead money is is the two is it, it, um, the cap number is actually only only five point two five, which is not terrible, um, but th- there's extra dead money for, for that comes into play from two thousand twenty one. Um, that's why it becomes two point five, but in dead money. But um, you know, it, it's I I could I could see him here and I could not see him here. <laughs> you know, I guess that's. But I think if there is. If he doesn't play at all this year, let's just play it out that way. That's kind of expensive depth. Right. 15 snaps so far. He's really only had one significant snap. That was on Jackson's eight-yard touchdown at Seattle. Uh, he was in there as a sixth offensive lineman, made no. a snap, made a block. But uh, other than that, honestly, he hasn't he hasn't had any kind of meaningful time. He had a stupid penalty in, on, in one of the games uh, where he actually motioned another player out of a legal formation. They both moved at the same time, but it was also moving to only five guys on the line of scrimmage, and he's got to know better. Yeah, so, and that, you know, I mean, I, I'm all for insurance as far as depth goes, but I think that's a little expensive for the quality um, that you're getting or not getting in this case, given that, I mean, you say, as you said, he, he played well at right tackle last year, and then the year before, he was he, he was pretty solid at guard. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's been um, unillustrious, if that's a word. Right. That's uh, that's fair enough. Okay, I've got three guys in the transitional category. One of them is is a backup tackle, Randon Cresselius, uh, who's who's uh, been on IR the entire year. Uh, he's let's see, I guess he's on the roster this year, so this will count as his rookie year, I believe. He was a practice squad guy before. Uh, I, I have to look at that. Yeah, I think he might have been on IR last year as well. Okay. I so, could be wrong about that, but I feel like. Yeah, so I mean that's even that's like the well the double whammy because he's yeah. going on our both years. So um, I think his time is is uh, is is up. I mean I you know they they could bring him back, but and it's not like they're wasting a lot of money while he's on IR since he's he's basically in his rookie year. But um, I mean he's 23 years old. Yeah, so he he has um, so he was he was an undrafted free agent in 18. So this is yes, I guess you're right. I think he was on. He must have been on the practice squad last year because he would have another accrued year otherwise. Right. That's um, that's really the question. So so yeah. still still a potential three year declining option on him that would have right. a little more value. Right. All right. So the other two guys I have on the list, 
Chris Moore, kind of an unfortunate circumstance. Obviously, the guy really looked like he might get an opportunity this year before the Ravens started signing and then drafting uh, free agent and and rookie yeah. <laughs> uh, wide receivers. But uh, Moore has only been targeted five times this year with three catches. So that hasn't really worked out. Last year, he, he caught 19 of 26 balls, 19 of 25, I should say, 76%. Uh, so... so he, I think he is a guy who might be back on a special teams type contract where he provides a little bit of value as a backup receiver, but he's primarily a special teams guy who takes on a Levine like role in, in helping lead that unit. Right. I mean, that's possible it, it, with wide receivers though. It seems like they want, they're going to look for greener pastures. Somebody who's going to give them more of a chance. He, he, he's limited out here as a wide receiver. Um, you know, everybody's going to be back. You know, the guys in front of him are all going to be back next year. So I can see where um, that could be, um, you know, I'll take, I'm, you know, if the, if the money's even or, or even less money, I'll go somewhere else because I'm looking for a bigger contract. I, I'm going to sign a one-year deal and I'm going to try to find, a, you know, a, a better options after that because I, if I can find a team that's going to, I mean, this team is not going to throw the ball a lot. I mean, they're going to throw the, you know, they're going to run more. So if you're the fourth or fifth receiver, you're, you're very limited options. So um, uh, now, obviously, if he doesn't find something else anywhere, you know, elsewhere, then maybe he comes back. But I, I kind of think he's a guy that's going to, it's going to be gone. Right. I, I do think the Ravens have valued special teams players who are also defenders who they can get snaps of. And it's a little bit easier to rotate them in than wide receivers. Right. Uh, you know, obviously with Levine, they got tremendous value out of him as a dimeback. He's the best dimeback the team has ever had. Um, in, in terms of Trawick, they had a guy who could play that position. In terms of McClellan, they got a lot of backup. Uh, not necessarily great play, but, you know, he, he played some important snaps at times. I mean, he was a, a, a three point defensive end in the year Suggs missed. Uh, so so when he st- started the season as the as the defensive end for the Ravens. So, uh, you know, he's he's done a lot of things for the Ravens over the years and, and certainly played special teams well. But uh, and it may be that more has less he can provide there. But he's been an exciting special teams player as both a returner and a kick cover, a scoop and score more. Uh, you know, certainly a player that that I really appreciate having here. I think probably if you look at it fairly, you'd have to say he was worth the fourth round draft pick. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would uh, especially for the Ravens because obviously wide receivers draft picks uh, don't don't generally pan out. So as a receiver, um, you know, you would have hoped for a little more perhaps. But as as an overall player and career, I I think I would agree. Okay, so last guy on my list is Jaleel Scott. Now, amazingly. Jaleel Scott was right here in the same place last year. Very unusual for a player to stay on this list at the same at the transitional spot for two straight years because you're either you're in or you're out usually. But he made the team, had a good preseason, and he's finally been activated the last two weeks. But he's only played two total special team snaps, one each week, and you know it's just not at all what I think he would have hoped for. And now he'll fight the the wave next year of being a third year wide receiver which only two years on that declining option remaining versus other rookies will come in and have four years whether they're draft picks or udfas he's going to really have to be better than them by a significant amount in order to make him the reasonable player that you keep yeah and i mean that's something um obviously from what we saw from last year to this year he was kind of like a lamar jackson in his improvement uh, it hasn't translated to because, unfortunately, you know, 
there was a first round pick and a third round pick that, you know, that jumped him, uh, jumped ahead of him. And honestly, I don't think anybody expected him to even make the team back in you know, March. I guess we were looking at, you know, starting to look at the off season and, and then building the roster. He was an afterthought. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can take that next jump again next year. Um, having, you know, uh, he was, um, was he, he was on IR all last year, so he wasn't even yeah. able to practice last year. So at least he's getting practice time in this year. Um, and clearly the time he put in in the offseason uh, has provided huge benefits for him because, uh, you know, again, he probably wasn't even going to make the team, we didn't think. So hopefully he can, with all this practice time and things, he can he can make a difference, or, you know, make it more improvement, and then maybe also work on that special teams role, which, um, you know, it, he probably – has not had, you know, in college probably, and I don't know this for sure, but, you know, he, at his size, he probably wasn't used on special teams as much. So maybe that's something that maybe he takes that more role uh, where he steps into that role where he can play special teams and provide that, uh, that extra, um, you know, that, that, that you need from your fifth or sixth wide receiver. All right. Well, the, the things that you just said about Scott are exactly, in particular, the he was allowed to practice, he got time with Lamar, that sort of thing, are exactly what we said about Jordan Lasley last year. Yeah, true. And unfortunately, he didn't he didn't stay around. The five guys at the end of 2018 that were in this group, Attaboy Joe, Allen, both gone, obviously, that's Buck Allen, mm-hmm. uh, Lewis, who they remarkably got a conditional seventh for. I don't know if that's still going to hold or not, but it, but it, it is what it was. It was what it was, a, a somewhat of a return. Scott himself, and then Kari Vedvik, who right. uh, is, uh, you know, provided some potentially significant value in terms yes, of the return. He yes, he did. So, is is the have you heard any confirmation that it was actually the Vedvik pick that it was the one that the Rams are getting in the Peters trade? Um, the Ravens traded. Let me think. They traded their pick um, because they the. What I had heard is that they, and I'm, you know, we'll see if this if this holds true, but they felt that they wanted to keep the Minnesota pick because they felt the Minnesota pick would be a higher pick. Be so earlier did. in the draft, right? Okay. Right, right. So they traded their own. Huh. Um, and and you mentioned Lewis. Um, I don't I don't know what the conditions on that Lewis deal were. I mean, it's only a seventh, but um, I, my guess is it's playing time and. With all the injuries the Jets have had, his snap counts are up over 50%. Um, he didn't even, I don't think he even played the first game or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but his offensive snaps are up. So assuming he stays healthy, fingers crossed. I mean, again, it's only a seventh. But uh, I would think that because he, he's starting now and he's playing. So I would think they would get that seventh if, if that stays true. All right. Well, Brian, we've appreciated having you on again. Uh, Josh, I know we got a couple of mailbag questions tonight, maybe some things that Brian can help us with. The Mailbag Film Study Mailbag, you can get your questions in by using the hashtag Film Study Mailbag over on Twitter, and it's your chance to steer the show. Uh, first one up is from Jaron, who's wondering, um, I mean, you guys already talked some with Ron, Ronnie Stanley, but do you think Ronnie Stanley ends up at or over $17 million per year on his next contract, and will we eventually see the Ravens spending more on offense than they are on defense? Um, 17. Oof. Um, he's going to get paid handsomely. Um, trying to uh, – where I, I don't uh, – 
you hate to say, you always you never say never because every year is you know it, you get blown out by the numbers but the top average per year right now is 16 um then you've got 15 and the 14s um i yeah 17 probably in that range yeah 17 a year because now he's not a free agent so usually when you're not a free agent you get a little bit of a hometown discount so to speak because the the player doesn't have as much leverage uh, obviously when he's a free agent or when you're talking about the franchise tag then um you know when that prospect is right there then that's obviously a um a bigger deal so you get a little bit of a break but i mean he's got a chance to push for that uh, you know that top of the market guy um so I think that's very possible. Okay, so there's two things about that. One is that if if he signs after year four with the year five option open for the Ravens, then they, it's it, risk is off the table for both parties, and it's quite possible that there would be a slight reduction, I think, in salary because of that. Right, and that's yeah, that's the idea. When you get if you get them before the the contract, you get them in the contract year or the or the or the uh, spring before that that's definitely the time to get them. Uh, if you wait till you know February or March and you've got to decide on the franchise tag or not, that's when it becomes more problematic. And that's certainly what DaCosta has said, you know, has expressed that he would like to get done. Right. And he, he would be a candidate for the for the, the franchise tag like Peters because he's good enough for that. But uh, you'd hate it for them to have to use that. They had to use it on Haloti Nada. I think he might have been one of the last players that they put through that. And then they, of course, got a deal signed before right. it effectively well, was they, they, done, they did Rice after that, and they did, uh, and they got a deal done, and they did Tucker after that and got a deal done. Hmm. There you go. All right. Well, appreciate having you. What else you got, Josh? All right. Uh, earlier this week when we were talking with Dominic Foxworth, we touched a little bit on the CBA and the fact that that's coming up for renegotiation uh, soon. So Jeff is wondering, under the current CBA, contributing rookies are more valuable than the equivalent vet player. Could you speak on what the future CBA could do to change that roster building, or is it too hard to predict right now? Also, how does a CBA transition year look? Well, there is no transition year. Uh, there's the last time there was that uncapped year. Um, so there's there, um, and that was kind of the middle year. Um, so right. there's that was you could spend as much as you wanted. So there's not that kind of year in this deal. Um, the only difference is well, there I guess there are two main differences. If we get to next year, um, there in 2020, since there's no CBA for 2021, there's no post June one release. Um, uh, so you can't spread that cap hit out. So when we talk about Brandon Williams as one of those guys. He, I mean, I think he's here for next year, but we talk, but if, if that June one release existed, maybe you'd think about it. I, I personally don't think that's the case. Fans really, you know, have a, have one for Brandon Williams in that contract. So, um, but that, you know, so for that standpoint, that doesn't exist. Um, the only other thing is there is, um, there, you can actually, there are, there's a, there's a, a franchise tag and a transition tag. Mm -hmm. Um, under under the present rules, you have to pick one. You can use one or the other. Uh, on, in the last, for whatever reason, in the last capped year, you can use both. So actually, for the Ravens, you know that that kind of works out. I mean, you've got if you have Peters and and uh, Stanley, you could actually keep both of them and not have to pick and choose. So I mean, there's 
there's uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that because we've seen how those kind of things drag out and they, they, they generally go all the way to the deadline in July. We don't really want that to happen. Um, but that is, it, yeah, is a nice option to have when you have two pretty high quality guys. Yeah, one of the things that I thought Foxworth said that was particular, particularly interesting was that the, he didn't actually say this, but the younger players, the players who are, are on their rookie deal, particularly at the top of the first round, they don't have a seat at the table in negotiating the CBA, which right. means the older players have an ability to take more first round money away if they would like to. I don't know if that's the direction they'd like to go, but we've seen some things come up this time around with Jalen Ramsey, for example, the many new contract that are going to press at that. You know, oh, I, I think that's going to be a big issue. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that um, the the rookies got way undercut, and you've got guys now that are veterans, but also felt over the last four years, or even I mean, you know, they could be eight year veterans, but they and they were rookies under this deal that they're thinking, you know, what that that didn't, you know, I could have made more. Mm-hmm. So whether it's whether they they bump up. The, the the minimums, which is probably likely, whether they remove this um, restriction. Now the owners aren't going to want that because they don't want holdouts like, and they don't want guys like Ramsey trying to force their. Sure. Which, which if you're a superstar, you can do anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter. But whether they remove this, you can't renegotiate it until after your third year. Maybe it's after your second year now, um, which gives the player a little more leverage. Now I, that's the push and pull. The, you know, the players want the leverage and the owners want the leverage too. They, they don't want that. They don't want, the, or they, at least they don't want the players to have the leverage. So, um, so that, that, those are good. That's going to be, I mean, the other stuff is just economics, how, how you split the pie. And that's, that's obviously the biggest issue. And the players are going to get more this time. Um, I think we discussed yesterday how the last CBA, the, the owners just won, you know, uh, it was, it was a, it was a landslide. Uh, this time, I think, uh, there's still there's a there's enough money to go around that the players are going to get more of the pie. They just got to figure out those. That, I mean that's going to be the biggest discussion. The other things will will fall will, will be pretty easy to to settle. All right, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tell us what you're working on right now, or any material you have coming up. Any anything you'd like to plug? Well, you know it's funny. I, I somebody on Twitter asked me, and I I've got to go do the math on this, but. There was a question of next year when we're looking at 50 or 60 million in cap space. We've had, they've never had that number, obviously, but have they ever, but I have to do it relative to the old cap. So if they had 30 million with a much lesser cap, did it, did it add up? So I got to do, I got to run those numbers now. It's like I got my homework exercise to do now and figure out if this, I believe this will be the, the biggest percentage of cap they've ever had. Very um, cool. But uh, that, but otherwise, that'll probably that'll be an article. But then it's just going to be, as we discussed yesterday, when we get to December and January, and hopefully February, because they've gone that far. It'll be looking at looking towards next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll look for your article on or about February eighth. There. Yeah, that sounds so, good. That sounds good. All right, Brian. All right. Thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, and Grab make sure it. make sure everyone is giving Brian a follow on Twitter at Ravens Salary Cap. Appreciate it. All right, Ken. com has both the offense and the defense breakdowns, uh, midway points, basically what we all went over, but in a nice uh, text form. You can read at work.
Yes, lots, lots to do there. A couple podcasts. We're about to record a Know Your Foe podcast. I've already informed the guy we're going to be about five minutes late, so we're cool on that. All right, good, because I was trying to wrap this up really quick. Trying to hit <laughs> yes, that I could tell, and I thought I just tossed that in there right now. So, so we're good on that. Um, we have, I also want to mention this. We're doing film study shorts, and we've recorded one I really want you to look at from Zachary Binney. Other people who I've talked to about doing a film study short, we are going to get to you. I promise you. This was just a big pig through the Python week in terms of getting material out uh, on this buy and uh, and really appreciate your patience in waiting for me to get back. to Right. You. Right. So Zach's short will be out on Friday. So we're, we're teasing it all week because it's a really good one and it'll be out yeah. Friday. Thursday, you'll get your know your foe. So you get your uh, get ready for the Patriots. All right. Guys, well, have a great evening. You too. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's List of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's. Home to any budget. Home to any possibility. U.S. only. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.